Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Blog Talk Radio You are listening to the Tilted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Blue Shirts. And welcome to the Tilted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Blue Shirts. I'm Russell Harmon, and joining me today, from the Late Show, with John Luchapero. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back, John Luchapero. John Luke, how are you doing, man? Thanks for joining me today, brother. Hey, hi, Russ. How are you? Just, just a correction. It, it's not the late show. I, I, I did not succeed Dave, unfortunately. Would I like to have gotten that gig? Sure. But apparently I'm not good enough. Apparently the ratings on uh, the local access channel here don't have a blip on the Nielsen rating. So <laughs> I'm good, Russ. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm suffering through uh, hockey withdrawal right now. I'm listening to that intro. I hear that goal horn. It just, it just – Runs it just gives me goosebumps. I I want Rangers hockey again. Oh my yeah, god! Man. Oh. I feel ah. you. We all miss the team. It feels weird that with them not being in the playoffs, even though we kind of knew this was going to happen all season. It's just it's weird. It's very strange. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I agree. Hopefully it's next like season it. we get back there and at least sneak into a wild card spot. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I hope so. I mean, if the Devils yeah, can do too. it, Rangers should be able to do it. So. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the development of Filipino and Leah Sanderson are going to go a far way into determining uh, what happens with us next season, but we will see. Absolutely. Um, it'll be very interesting. So, uh, the conference finals are starting tonight with the Washington Capitals and Tampa Bay Lightning kicking things off in the East at Amelie Arena. And tomorrow night, the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights kick things off at MTS Place in Winnipeg. So, this, these are two crazy matchups and two matchups that many people didn't think we were going to see because Pittsburgh in the East, everyone thought they were going to be Washington again. And then in the West, the Cinderella story of Vegas keeps going. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop. And every time people bet against them, it just doesn't work out because this team is fighting every odds that are put against them. Man, I don't even know how to predict these conference finals. It's four teams that really do deserve to be where they are, but I feel like it's going to be very even on both sides. What do you think, bud? Uh, let's see. So I, the West is definitely going to be the one that I will be paying attention to the most in terms of, uh, you know, it, both for the stories that both teams have gone through, at least over the last couple of months and years for both teams respectively. The East, um, give Washington credit. They, 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 uh, they slayed the, the, the beast. They beat Pittsburgh. They were able to conquer uh, a Pittsburgh team that, in my opinion, to be honest, outside of Sidney Crosby, I think they kind of lacked a little bit of that uh, killer instinct they had in that first-round uh, matchup versus, um, who was it, uh, Philly. Uh, I just kind of think they – let their guard slip and Washington took advantage of it. Um, so now being that Washington was able to 
Slay the Dragon, uh, I think they have a little bit more of an edge. I Do I want to see Washington win, in my personal opinion? Absolutely not. Because, one, uh, a lot of former Rangers are on Tampa, as everyone knows. And, two, I really don't want to see Ovechkin win a cup. And Washington <laughs> is not a cool sports city. Uh, going to the West, uh, regarding Winnipeg and Vegas, that's a tough one because I was anticipating Winnipeg losing to Nashville, but it seems that Nashville just kind of lost it and Winnipeg just took over. So I didn't think Winnipeg was going to make it, but good for them. And Vegas, I thought, you know, they were either going to get beat in the second round, you know, expansion team, you know, oh, we made it just short. But no, they're they're on track to potentially win the Stanley Cup. So that one might be hard to actually make a prediction on. I want to say Vegas in seven because Vegas just kind of seems to have that killer instinct that wins you a Stanley Cup. But so does Winnipeg. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard. It, it really is hard. And and for the East, if I have to make a prediction, I I want to say Tampa in four, but it's probably going to be Washington in six. But who knows? I think Tampa might just take it too. Shoot, why not? Yeah. Okay. So, oh man. I mean, I, I see what you're saying about <laughs> Vegas. With, <laughs> I see what you're saying about with Vegas having the killer instinct, but I think we, it's very important here to point out that this time last year, Vegas wasn't a team which is very scary to think about because they uh-huh. were preparing for the expansion draft. And look, they hit some, they, they were, they hit some diamonds in the rough. William Carlson, 43 goals, Riley Smith, Jonathan March or so. You got guys, even guys like Derek England and um, uh, Colin Miller and Nate Schmidt, just having everyone having career years at the same time translates to what's going on in Vegas this year. And honestly, it's amazing to see that all these guys kind of took this mentality of we are being cast away. Our teams think we're expendable. Let's go prove everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. And they've taken it and run with it. And and it's been an amazing story to follow all season. Um, mm-hmm. Someone suggested on Twitter that if the Knights somehow win the Stanley cup, which is not out of the realm of possibility anymore, that instead of wearing their golden Knights jerseys at the parade in Vegas, they should wear the jerseys of the teams that, cast them away and I thought that was extremely petty and hilarious. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you gotta be petty to make a point, you know? Yeah. I think that's hilarious and I think that would send a very interest I think I mean I think fans would enjoy that of the game, but I don't I don't see that happening because I, I just no. I think too many yeah, I just I don't I don't see that happening. God, so for me to pick in the West, I'll start in the Western Conference here. I had Nashville going all the way to Sianca final and winning in the redemption story this year. So my bracket got busted with the Winnipeg, but I'm not upset about it. I like the Winnipeg Jets. I like what they're doing. I also like that their entire team is basically homegrown. Um, mm-hmm. Free agents haven't gravitated to Winnipeg in recent years. Uh, it's cold. Uh, you know, that's basically a big reason why a lot of people think that a lot of players would rather not play there. But mm-hmm. props to them for drafting extremely well and getting players like Nikolai Ehlers, um, Mark Shifley, uh, timely trades when they were all, well, this wasn't when they were Winnipeg, but when they received Dustin Bluffham from the Chicago Blackhawks and they were still the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, Patrick Lyon, I can't forget about him either. Just oh, ridiculous. No, not. Oh yeah. Ridiculous player, teenager, already putting up rocket Richard numbers, which he probably will win at some point in his career. Um, yeah, I mean, all props to Winnipeg, drafting so well, getting key trades when they need it, and let's not overlook the acquisition of Paul Stastny at the trade deadline. That is looking like one of the best trade deadline acquisitions the team has made in recent years. The guy is really stepping up, had two goals in Game 7 against the Nashville Predators. Uh, so they're, you know, they're a really good team, a really good defense, and, uh, you know, it's really possible that this team could go on to win the Cup too. So I think... I'm going to say here, because I'm not going to doubt Vegas anymore, but I do think that – I feel like I'm a broken record here, but I think this is where it ends for the, for the Vegas mm. Golden Knights. As much as I like them, as much as I like everything they've done all year and everything they've shown us during these playoffs and how good they've been, they haven't run into a team like the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs yet. And, yes, they faced them in the regular season, but playoff hockey is a different animal than 
regular season hockey is. Everyone knows it. And the Winnipeg Jets just beat the President's Trophy winners. They they dismantle the Minnesota Wild in round one. And they look like they are speeding right towards the Stanley Cup final. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be short. But I think that this series will go to the Winnipeg Jets in seven games over the Vegas Golden Knights. And Canada will finally get a team back in the Stanley Cup final. And, and and to interject about that point about the Canadian team winning the Stanley Cup final, this yeah. is probably the most likable Canadian team you can imagine winning, uh, uh, potentially winning a cup. Because if you look at all the other ones like Toronto, oh goodness, imagine imagine the hockey world after that. You know, you run oh, into man. a couple of ignorant Toronto Maple Leafs fans, forget it. Uh, Vancouver, eh, you know, they're kind of. Eh. Eh, you know, that nobody wants Montreal to win, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> Ottawa, I don't think anyone... Cooper, though, before you continue, I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. really big Brock Besser fan. I think the guy's amazing to watch, but continue. Oh, he's, oh, Brock Besser's great. It's just the rest of that organization is a clown show. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that, that Vancouver didn't do that the Rangers did, well, I guess you can say almost did, was they let Elaine Vigneault hang around a little too long. So that's one of the reasons why they're a clown yeah. show. But, yeah. uh, but, and then, let's see, I said uh, Edmonton, I've heard a lot of stories from other Canadians that a lot of Oiler fans, once the team becomes good, they get really arrogant, which kind of makes sense. Uh, so, you know, the heck with them. Calgary, don't think anyone cares about Calgary. I mean, I'm sure they do. I, I'm just, I'm just being facetious here, but um I'm just adding to the point that if Winnipeg were to win the Stanley Cup final, I don't think anyone would have a problem with it because of the points that you made about the team being homegrown. And also to add to that, you know, they had their team essentially taken away from them in, was it 95? They had their team taken in 95. 95, they had their team taken away from them. And, you know, all because of the politics and the money and and them not being able to, you know, sustain the franchise and whatever, that, you know, it, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like uh, other teams that folded or left because of lacking attendance. No, if there's one thing that Winnipeg had going for them was the fact that they were able to support their team. It's just they didn't have the money. So Winnipeg, if they win the Stanley Cup, would be a really good story for hockey. Oh, I, I agree with you entirely. And look, Winnipeg fans waited a long time, and they weren't even 100% sure if they'd get their team back. Um, mm-hmm. and jail, I think their last season was 96, but you were very close. So I just wanted to make 96. Sure. Okay. Very close though. Um, so like JL said, if Winnipeg does win the cup, it will be a fantastic story for the, for the hockey world. This is a team that was the Atlanta thrashers less than a decade ago for the, those people that remember, uh, by the way, man, they had some funky jerseys <laughs> down there in Atlanta. Uh, uh, I don't even know what you call like. Yeah, the Thrashers, but like that bird symbol thing they had, like it looked like a bird tornado. It was really strange. Yeah, they had a really weird third jersey that mm. said Thrashers with like a semicircle. Yeah, they did not. They it was a weird uh, thing going on down there. <laughs> well, I will say this though: those those powder blue jerseys were sick. I'll say that. I agree. I agree. The powder blue jerseys. <laughs> I still see people wearing them today, which is very interesting. They're, 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 those are very good jerseys. I like those. Kovalchuk scoring yeah, yeah, goals yeah. in that jersey is very nice. <laughs> that jersey is pretty cool. I'll give the I'll give the Thrashers that. Just their symbol always was kind of weird to me. But hey, they're the Winnipeg Jets. They've been embraced by Winnipeg again. They weren't sure if they were going to be the Jets again when they went back to Winnipeg. But I mean, everyone was like, please name them Jets, and so the Jets. Yeah. That's basically yeah. it. Um, so, God, yeah, that's going to be an intense series. It's going to be fast. You have star power on both sides, although I'll give the edge to Winnipeg there because of Patrick Laine and Mark Shifley. And let's not forget Blake Wheeler. I forgot to mention him before. Blake Wheeler was acquired by the Atlanta Thrashers um, when they traded, I believe it was something like Rich Peverly and more pieces to the Boston Bruins for Blake Wheeler. Um during the, it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was during a trade deadline at some point, and I, in 2011, and when the Bruins went on to win the Stanley Cup, and Blake Wheeler was, you know, he was on the Thrashers. He did not get to experience that with the teammates he knew in Boston, and hopefully now Blake Wheeler, well, not, I mean, if you're a Winnipeg fan, hopefully, but Blake Wheeler has a chance to win his first Stanley Cup, and 
I think that that would be a great story for the guy who basically got cast out of a Stanley Cup winning Boston team, put on the thrashes, mm-hmm. and has elevated himself to the status of captain uh, in the Canadian North. So good for Blake Wheeler. Good for Canada if they get a Stanley Cup now because it's been a long time coming since 1993 since the Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. But standing in Winnipeg or Vegas is possible way as a team from the Eastern Conference. Oh, boy. This is going to be a tough one, too, because unlike Mr. John Luke over there, I am a big Alexander Ovechkin fan, and I always have been, which some people will call me crazy for, but it's true. I think the guy is one of the best goal scorers of, our, of, of the hockey world, and I think of hockey history. Um, look what the guy's done in an era when scoring is down. He has over 600 goals. He will crack 700 soon, most likely. If you put this guy in the 80s, I seriously think we'd be looking at our first 1,000 goal scorer. And I've discussed this with people numerous times, and I don't think it's crazy to say that because of how rapid scoring was in the 80s, how high the scoring was. And if you see what this guy is doing in an era without a lot of scoring – Imagine him with us in the 80s systems with the kind of goaltending that it was back then, not as good as it was now. And with his shot, I really think we're looking at a guy that would definitely crack 900 to 1,000 goals. Absolutely. Um, He is a spectacular player. Um, He may not be liked by everyone. I know a lot of Ranger fans aren't big fans of him. But his talent level is something that is to be appreciated and the only knock on Alex Ovechkin during his career is that he hasn't won the big one. And same thing with Henrik Lundqvist for us. And I also think that's an unfair knock to give a player because it's not an individual award. It is a team award. And, you know, people point and say that Sidney Crosby has won that overall debate between him and Ovechkin. But, you know, yeah, he has the three Stanley Cups, Ovechkin doesn't. But a lot of people have to remember that the team's maybe minus last year for the Capitals, Crosby's had a very good supporting cast throughout his entire career. Um, He's had Malkin with him his whole career. He had one of the best goalies in Marc-Andre Fleury, and now he has another really good goalie in Matt Murray. He's always had good supporting characters. I don't know why I said characters. I mean players. It's early, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, look, I mean, I I always felt it was a little unfair to – base that argument alone on Stanley Cups. And, I mean, yeah, Crosby has more medals. He has more of a lot of things. But Ovechkin is such a good player. And I feel it should be more turning to we should start appreciating the both of them a little more because, and I know Crosby, a lot of people have their issues with him. I do as well, although he's turned back the complaining and crying recently, which is where that people kind of knocked him for earlier in his career. But – I think it's getting to the point where both of them, where we should start appreciating the both of them for where they are in their careers. And the fact that we've gotten to see both of them play kind of like our parents and grandparents got to see Crosby and I mean, not Crosby. Wow. Got to see Gretzky and Howe and Lemieux and other guys like that. And how we'll have stories to tell our kids and grandkids about he, we saw Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin in their prime. And I think that's an important thing to take note of JL, if you agree with me there. To, uh, to, to, Add uh, to add to what uh, you were saying about Ovechkin. Now, yeah. let me let me just let me just rephrase what I said because I was on, I was on a bit of a rant earlier. <laughs> I actually don't hate Ovechkin. I just don't like the team that he's on. That's that's the thing. That's he's fair. on a team that he's on a team that the Rangers play a lot throughout the year, and you know it, it, you know you see a guy of his caliber. You, you're correct in saying that he is arguably one of the greatest talents of our of really our generation you know um him him and Crosby have really elevated the league to where you know people start to notice it because Ovechkin's kind of Ovechkin has that kind of dynamic about him not only is he good I mean not just good but he's incredibly talented but he also has a bit of a personality as well it's something that Crosby doesn't have you know I don't know Crosby's usually more reserved more quiet you know he's more to himself but Ovechkin kind of exudes more of that the personality you know he seems like he's outwardly fun. Now, I'm not saying Crosby's not a fun guy, but I think Sidney Crosby would rather go to sleep at 10 o'clock and read uh, read books than <laughs> Ovechkin, who would stay out a little longer, you know, and, and maybe hit the night on the town, you know, and all in good fun. Um, but 
to you know this this series, the Tampa Capital series. It's it's hard because you I like I like Ovechkin and I would like to see him win a cup, but I would prefer him to do it with another team because Washington just in New York sports in general is kind of a bane in our path. You know what I mean? They're kind of a thorn yeah, in our side. And anyone listening to this podcast understands the pain that Mets fans have to go through when dealing with the Washington Nationals, then you will understand the gripe that I'm saying right now when it's when I say you want all Washington teams to burn. I like a lot <laughs> of the players on the Capitals. I think Kuznetsov, I was raving about him when he got drafted. I, I, I knew the minute he got comfortable with Washington, he was going to be a stupendous player. And, yes, I said stupendous. He is awesome. I think Kuznetsov is the prime example of a team having solid secondary scoring. You look at Nicholas Backstrom, well, he's hurt. Nicholas Backstrom anchored down the middle for Ovechkin for years. Solid player in his own zone, fantastic on draws. He's good with the puck. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Tom Wilson, even though he's a bit dirty, is a good complimentary player for that team. You know, um, I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of other players on those Capitals teams because they switch. They, Dmitry Orlov is another solid player. So mm-hmm. uh, the new regime after they fired uh, George McPhee, which ironically enough, if Washington makes the final and Vegas makes the final, McPhee is going to be facing his old team. I I think Washington this year finally put it together and. I, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's it's hard. Then you mm-hmm. look at Tampa. You have, jeez, you have Girardi, McDonough, Miller. Uh, you have um, <clears throat> Callahan, who's kind of remembered the wrong way a little bit over the last couple of years. But uh, you mm-hmm. have all those former Rangers. Strawman. Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started on Antoine Strawman. I could give you a whole story about the time where I got upset at. Uh, I was at a. Where was I at? I was at a. Is it a Chick-fil-A in Virginia coming back from uh, from a vacation? And I got the news that the Rangers signed Dan Boyle instead of Anton Strawman. And I don't think I've ever, I don't think anyone ever in Virginia has ever seen a New Yorker mad as I was <laughs> when I was in, uh, when I found out the news uh, that they went for Boyle instead of Strawman. So I, this is one of those conference finals where outside of Washington, you, you like every single team in it. It's like any story would be a feel good story here. Mm-hmm. I entirely agree. And on the flip side of the Eastern Conference Final, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning. And a lot of us feel connected to the Tampa Bay Lightning this year because there's so many of our old guys on that team. Uh, Ryan McDonough, J.T. Miller, uh, you know, Ryan Callahan, Anton Strawman, Dan Girardi. You know, a lot of Ranger fans are pulling for them, not just because of the first-round pick that we get if they do win the Stanley Cup in nineteen. Uh, but of the fact that these were guys that went to war for us for so many years, were part of some of the best memories that this generation of Ranger fans has, uh, getting to the Stanley Cup final, getting to multiple conference finals, big playoff goals, big playoff moments, conquering other teams, overcoming the odds. They were here for a lot of this, and this generation of Ranger fans, you know, they made the memories that we have over the past decade. They were a, a huge part of it, a lot of those guys. And a lot of people are pulling for them. Uh, Tampa Bay Rangers, I've seen. I've seen mock-ups of both <laughs> logos. It's really something. And, uh, you know, if they do it, uh, you know, all power to them. Uh, we benefit even if they win the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see if the Tampa Bay Lightning can just keep steamrolling their way through these playoffs to get to the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. final. They look like a complete team. Man, Nikita Kucherov is always playing at such a high level, it seems now. Braden Point is looking like a future Selkie Trophy winner with his play and shutting down opposing lines, and while being one of the best players on the ice with his scoring every night. Um, you look at a guy coming in like Ryan McDonough, solidifying that defense, playing with Victor Hedman, Anton Strawman, Dan Girardi, Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, there's not many holes in this team, and Andre Vasilevsky is a Vesna finalist who has turned his game up to a new level in these playoffs. Oh man, it is it's gonna be it's gonna be another war in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had a choice, which I don't, but thinking with what the best storyline would be, I would like Alex Ovechkin to get to his first Stanley Cup final. But if I'm thinking with my mind here, 
I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to get through the Washington Capitals in six games. And as much as I do like Alex Ovechkin and it'd be nice to see him get his first Stanley Cup, and they slayed the Dragon with Pittsburgh, and they've overcome that, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are seem to be playing on another level with how they dismantled the Boston Bruins in the second round as further proof. Um, this team doesn't quit. This team is on every puck. They're tenacious as ever. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup. The only thing you could possibly say is their top line needs to contribute a little more. Sure, it's possible, but, you know, the fact that their top line is getting so much attention is leaving their secondary scoring open for opportunities. So I think that we're going to see a Stanley Cup final with from two extremes. The, nor- the cold north of the Winnipeg Jets versus the sunny skies of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if we get there... Boy, is that going to be some fun hockey to watch between Winnipeg mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay? I agree. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. And one one of the things that I like about this time of year outside of um, just, you know, is, is, is the, the – for some reason this, – this is something I've always noticed. Once you hit the conference final, something just kind of clicks. Not, well, not clicks per se, but something just goes up where the competitive level just goes up. Playoff hockey in general is awesome. Arguably, if you look at all the sports, all the major professional sports, playoff hockey is arguably the most entertaining uh, one to watch because there's something that these hockey players inhabit once the, once the playoffs. Because then again, you could. Look, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Brian Boyle, when he was a Ranger, typical fourth-line center, didn't really do much throughout the regular season, was just kind of there. You know, he provided a lot of defense and a lot of depth, but he was just kind of there, you know, and you can attest to that. I could as well. The minute the playoffs started, Brian Boyle turned into uh, an animal and he was year in, year out, year in and year out. When he was here, he turned, he pretty much arguably was one of the best forwards down the middle for the Rangers. And that shone brightly in 2014 when they made the cup run, that fourth line of Boyle, Moore, Dorsett and or Carcillo was outside of the, you know, typical Broussard, Zuccarello, and Pouliot line. And then you get the St. Louis line, which was, you know, halfway decent. That Boyle mm. line was arguably the best line out there. And I think they scored the opening goal in game seven against the Penguins in the semifinals, which just – and then they, scored, they, they were actually able to contribute to the game-winning goal, which was scored by Dominic Moore – in was it game game five? Am I correct on that? I'm trying to remember. Are you game saying five. Dominic Moore goal against the Montreal Canadiens? That was fourteen, right? Yeah, that was game yeah, five, that was game right? Six. Game six. Okay, game six. Okay. okay I'm just, game, game five. Game yeah. Yeah, game five. They got uh they got uh they got their butts handed to them, um if I hmm. remember correctly. Um, but you know, so alluding back to this, uh. You, you talk about you know, you know different players on each of these teams. This here is just it's going to be exciting and it's going to be a war because <laughs> Tampa wants it, Washington wants it, Vegas definitely wants it, and Winnipeg wants to prove a point. So I think this is a pretty good amalgamation of stories for the NHL to capitalize on, and it's going to be incredibly entertaining for all of us to watch. Really. Yeah. Um, no matter. I want to stress this point too. Um, me and JL might have our picks here. You could feel entirely different, but no matter which team ends up in the Stanley Cup final, there's four amazing stories to tell here. Either Canada gets back to the final with Winnipeg, Vegas becomes the the best expansion team in the. They already are, I think, in my opinion. But they become the legend of Vegas continues even more in North American sports if they make the Stanley Cup final. The Denver Bay Lightning have a chance to win their second cup ever and do it with a bunch of guys that we all feel an emotional connection to. Or Alex Ovechkin makes his first Stanley Cup final and tries to bring the cup to Washington for the first time ever. No matter how you, how you look at it, we are, we are in for an amazing conference final. We're in for an amazing Stanley Cup final. And, you know, of course, our boys weren't in it this year, which sucks. But we're going through a process dare I say, the process. But we are going through something, and we're going to come out of it, and 
something very important to point out here is I think guys like Mika Zibanejad and Matsu Carello, even our rookies like Filipito, Leah Sanderson, you definitely know Henrik Lundqvist is watching. They don't mm-hmm. want this feeling of being on the outside again. The last time they're on the outside, the Rangers lost on the last day of the season to the Philadelphia Flyers uh, in a shootout, which was absolutely uh, painful. And uh, I still I still get angry thinking of Ole Jokinen's uh, terrible shootout uh, attempt. So, yeah, it's, it was a bad day in Rangers town. But uh, the Rangers next season are not going to just sit down and get ready for another draft pick. They are going to do what they can and scratch and claw. And pr- I would put, I would say they can make a wild card spot next season, but we'll see. But you already know the guys are using this as motivation to get back to the playoffs and get back to competing in, in the spring tournament. So we're getting a good Stanley Cup final, a good Eastern conference final, Western conference finals here, but it kind of stinks without our boys, but they will be back, everyone. And once they get back and once they're at full strength, we're going to have if, – if management builds this team the right way, we will have a perennial Stanley Cup contender. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Moving on. Moving on here. The coaching search continues for the New York Rangers as we are now the only club in the NHL without a head coach. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes recently named Rod Brindamore their head coach, who was one of the – uh, I would say he's one of the best players of the early 2000s era, late 90s mm-hmm. era. Really, really good player. Really classy guy. Was captain of yep. Carolina when they won their Stanley Cup in 2006. So, Rod Brindamore, wish him the best. Really good dude. Um, Bill Peters is officially the coach for the Calgary Flames. Uh, really good coach. Uh, he's a good coach in Carolina. Never seen him have the personnel to make it work. So, I think he's actually going to be mm-hmm. a pretty solid coach in Calgary. Um, Dallas Stars. Uh, named Jim Montgomery, their head coach. He was formerly the head coach in Denver in the NCAA. He was a rumored Rangers uh, possible guy that would take over the Rangers bench, but he got wooed by the Stars, so good luck to them. Good luck to him. I think they found a good coach uh, in Dallas. Look, they have too many Stars and too much firepower to miss the playoffs again, so he, he mm-hmm. he's, will hopefully turn it around. Um, as for us, though, um, the coaching search is – not as open, I believe, as it was a few weeks ago with Jim Montgomery and ultimately being hired by the Stars and David Quinn of Boston University telling friends that he is staying at the university, and uh, which means he will not be taking the Rangers job, although he was considered the front runner for a bit there, uh, which leaves uh, a few candidates still. Uh, we've already heard reports that Keith McCambridge, the Wolfpack head coach, and Lindy Ruff are not being considered. We've heard reports that Dave Tippett, uh, despite our uh, – uh, one of our writers and our president, Mr. Anthony Spiltori, thinking otherwise. <laughs> David Tippett is in the running. Um, uh, by the way, shout out to Mr. Anthony Scultori. He has been an amazing, uh, an amazing guy to work with, uh, amazing president of our site, and amazing supporter of this podcast. He's the one to thank to keep all this stuff going. It was his idea that started all of this stuff at Forever Blue Shirts, and He's been extremely supportive, so the dice as it's gone along here. So, Ant, shout out to you, buddy. Thanks for everything, and you are always welcome on the show. And we appreciate everything yes. you do for the site, and you're an awesome dude. So keep it up, yes, man. Yes, sir. Thanks. Thanks, Ant. You the man. You the, you the man. man, Ant. So, uh, yes. And Dan Biles, like I said, not considered either. So who does that leave? <clears throat> uh, many speculate that they haven't named someone yet because – uh, Sheldon Keefe is not done with the Toronto Marlies yet, and he is rumored to be a prime candidate to take over the bench. Uh, also, Scott Sandlin of the University of Minnesota Duluth in the NCAA is a heavily rumored candidate. Uh, or could we see someone from left field? We've been talking about this for what it seems like a few months now, but it seems like it's getting down a little bit as candidates start to drop. Um my vote is still for Sheldon Keefe. I think the guy would be a spectacular head coach, even if he's 37 and Henry Glenclose is 36. I don't think that matters much, in my opinion. Um, but, JL, what do you think? What, do you, what are you feeling right now? What do you think is going to – how do you think the situation is going to resolve? Well, obviously I think they're doing their due diligence and making sure that they find someone who's right. The one thing that I can say about the Rangers' management – for many of the moves they make is that they always do their, they always do the right work or the right research for their work. They know what this, they know what this hockey club needs. 
you know, when they hired Elaine Vigneault, they knew that they needed a new voice in the room. They knew that they needed someone with a little more up-tempo hockey to, you know, kind of catch up to the game that's evolving. And now they want to look for someone who can develop younger guys with the emergence of teams like Winnipeg with their youth, uh, Toronto with their youth, uh, Pittsburgh with some of their youth, and Nashville with a lot of their youth. And, you know, with the trades that they made in the summer last year with, you know, with you know, trading away Stepan and, and getting uh, pretty much Anderson and, and, and drafting Heedle. Uh They're looking for a coach now that could potentially cultivate the youth that they had, that they were able to bring in not only in the summer, but also at the deadline. So what I'm thinking is Sheldon Keith, personally, that would be my uh, Sheldon Keith is my personal at first top pick, but then, you know, you take a look at a guy like Dave Tippett, who is really, a decent candidate, which I'm incredibly surprised that a team hasn't bid on him yet. And I mean, that's a little concerning, but then again, uh, other management uh, teams, some are, are not exactly the best <laughs> Islanders. Sorry. I'm not <laughs> out for a second. Um, so, but um, you know, you look at a Sheldon Keith, who, you know, I've become to, you know, the more and more I read up about him, the more and more I like, but Dave Tippett, who, Actually, I wanted I – I don't know if he was still employed with uh, Arizona at the time when the Rangers were looking for their coach, but that was a guy who I had always seen and had always done well and, and, and someone that I always looked at and said, man, they would, he would be a good coach, you know, behind the bench. Uh, so that would be a good option. Uh, so I'm, to- I'm with Ant on that one. I know Ant's not a big fan of Sheldon Keith. Ant's an old school guy, which is fine, which is great. You know, I, I think uh, the league will shift back to some of those old school principles, you know, at a certain point once everyone gets accustomed to this new wave. So it would be good to kind of jump the gun on that and kind of have that, you know, ace in the hole in a sense. But again, when it comes to hiring a coach, I know it's important for the room and whatever, but you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the personnel. And I think the Rangers can do a decent job at it. And regardless of whatever personnel that you have, you know, it all depends on that, whether you have a, you know, good coach or not, you know. Um, so my guess, I first two or top two people that I would prefer would be, you know, Sheldon Keefe, who you actually, you know, you talking about him last podcast that we were on and I looked him up. I'm like, damn, you know, this is actually not a good, he's not a bad pick. And either him or Dave Tippett, Dave Tippett would be, uh, Dave Tippett would be uh, a good option to have for someone who has experience. So I think that would be pretty good. And a wild card for me, honestly, not a fan of it. Uh, Outside of, Keith McCambridge, that would be my third good option. Wild card option, Scott Stevens. I know, former devil, not a fan of that. But if they really, really, really needed a coach, I guess they can go for him because Stevens is solid. It was a solid yeah. defenseman. I'm sure he can teach a lot of these young defensemen some new, uh, you know, the way to, you know, the right way to play defense. So, and yeah. rant. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, I kind I agree with Ant when he wrote about um, Dave Tippett, and I agree with Joe as well. I think Dave Tippett will be a good coach for this team. Uh, yeah, he's a little older. He's got more experience than a guy like Sheldon Keith has, or another, or a guy like Scott Sandlin that doesn't have the NHL experience. But also, Dave Tippett knows how to work with young talent. Obviously, he led the Coyotes to their only conference final appearance in history, and I believe it was twenty. Oh man, I want to say twenty thirteen. Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but, uh, yeah, he, he might be a good option here. Uh, the Rangers aren't considering him from reports, but I do agree that he would be a solid pick to coach behind the bench. Um, I like that you brought up Scott Stevens because obviously, yes, he is a former New Jersey devil and he haunted us for years, but Scott Stevens, for those of you that don't know, is a very, very smart guy in the way that the game is trending now. Um, he knows he knows how to coach in today's NHL. And he was, he was a coach with the Minnesota wild back, I believe it was last season, but he opted out of the gig because he wanted to be on the East coast and with his family more. And he's now, for those that don't know, an analyst at NHL network. And if you go back and watch some of the clips where he's analyzing the play, 
and talking about what teams could do differently and things like that. The guy really knows what he's talking about. Um, he's, he really sees the play well, and you can tell that it carries over from his years of playing that if he was given the chance to uh, be a head coach of a team, I think he could do a really solid job at it. And, yes, mm-hmm. the devil thing is going to be hard to to get out of fans' minds. It's going to be a little hard to get over for Rangers fans. But make no mistake, um, Scott Stevens would probably be a really good coach for this team. Um, if you know, honestly, I recommend looking up some clips on NHL.com with Scott Stevens doing some analysis or even looking at some of his schemes from when he was with the Minnesota Wild. He, he knows how the game is played now, and I think he would be a really good selection for this team if they chose to go that route. Obviously, I don't know if they are. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're thinking. The Rangers have kept their head coaching search really secretive and under wraps. Um, a lot of it is purely speculation. Even guys that have an in, typically like uh, Rick Carpaniello for the uh, uh, Athletic, who is really, he's an amazing writer if you haven't checked him out. Uh, really great insight with the team. Uh, the Athletic puts out some great content also if you haven't read it. But, uh, yeah, even uh, guys like Larry Brooks, uh, you know, it's a lot of speculation. No one really seems to have an in on this. Um, but time will tell. And uh, I still believe we get a head coach announcement before the draft, maybe a week or two before the draft so this coach can settle mm-hmm. in and kind of learn um, – kind of learn his players, meet his players and talk with the talk with Jeff Gordon and figure out what direction they want to go with the draft pick. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's going to be an exciting time with the next few weeks with the final coming up with the, with the conference finals coming up and with our continued coaching search and hopefully head coach hire before the NHL draft. So we ha- have a guy heading into next season, but let it be known. The Rangers do not have to rush. They are the only team no. left without a head coach. There's no competition left for them to worry about. Um, they kind of have their pick right now, and it could be some of the guys we mentioned. It could be someone we haven't mentioned. It could be a guy completely out of left field. Like, you know, we mentioned Scott Stevens, but uh, look at a guy like Marco Sturm, who was had a great German squad this year in the Olympics, or a guy that else I've heard, Philippe Pazan. Uh, you know, guys like that that maybe we haven't thought of. So really interesting situation for us, and we'll see how it develops going forward, and we'll have all the new details for you as soon as anything breaks. Um, may, may I may I interject real quick? I just came up with something yeah. real quick, and I just it adds, adding to the coaching search. So one of the biggest problems the Rangers have had since the fourteen season was defense, <clears throat> and the one thing that this team ultimately needs ultimately needs to uh, focus on is the defense. Now over the last couple of seasons, they've definitely done a good job with the offense, partially with the help of Elaine Vigneault, but also with the talent that they're bringing in. So I think a lot of these guys can score goals at will now, and if they just continue to add more to it, like they'd be getting someone from the draft who can score a little more at will and can push the tempo a little bit. You know, because the Rangers, after a while, never really had a problem scoring goals. It was always the defense. You look at the, I want to say it was the 15-16 season where they got knocked out of the first round of the playoffs against the Penguins. It wasn't because they couldn't score. It's just because they couldn't play defense. So one of the things that I think this organization needs to do is find either an assistant coach or a head coach that not only can – I'm not saying go on full defensive like Tortorella – but can just maybe add a little more to the defensive aspect of the game. Maybe if the coach is a little, the head coach is a little more offensive, then maybe you can have your assistant coach be a little more. Because again, Arneal and well, Lindy Ruff hasn't been let go yet, from what I've heard. He's still technically on the team, but I highly doubt that he'll be with this team next season, um, considering the disaster that happened last year. But anyways, um, so if they do let go Ruff and they already let go Scott Arneal. They need to find someone who can work with the young defensemen that they have and also with, you know, some of the older guys like, you know, Kevin Shatton, who they even have older guys. I just realized I said that they don't even have older guys anymore. <laughs> so the, the veterans like Brady Shea, oh, you could say that now. That's amazing that I can yeah. actually say that now. Veteran Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk, who cannot, who this coach can work with those guys, elevate their games, let them play their game, but also can, oh, and I forgot, Mark Stahl. How can I forget? <laughs> you know, I, I have yeah. it in my head that he's already gone, but still, that's my that's my fault. But I get a coach who can not only work with the older guys, but can also work with this youth. The Rangers have an influx of solid young defensemen that are in the system. Just three off the top of my head, Rykov, Lindgren, and uh, Hi- uh, Libor Hayek. 
So if you yeah. can have a coach that can implement a system, be adequately defensive, you have so much talent on offense that it'll just end up offsetting itself. And I know that a lot of these coaches have solid offensive plans for players like the Rangers have currently. So at the end of the day, it all comes down to looking for a coach or an assistant coach that can help stabilize the defensive side. Because if there's one thing from being at a lot of the games last season and just watching it on TV and, 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 and becoming smarter with the game and learning a lot more, what I've realized is that there's a lot, there was a lot of defensive breakdowns on this team. And it was sad because you look at the play, even when McDonough was here, even you could even say when Girardi was here back uh, last season, such solid players, regardless of their condition. And yet the system still failed them. So it has to get to a point where it's not the personnel so much as it is it's the system. So the Rangers need to find someone that can help reinforce a solid defensive system that can get this team back to where it needs to be. Yeah, I agree. And this team does have so many really good defensive prospects. Um, we might get another really good one in this draft, depending on how the picks fall. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, look, to put it blatantly, that deal with Tampa Bay apparently doesn't happen without Libor Hayek from a lot of reports. That is the piece Jeff Gordon wanted back. He needed that back. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Lindgren looks like a hit factory if you just see this dude's highlights. Um, oh, yeah. It's like there's a lot of good stuff in the pipeline. Oh, and I want to point out also for fans that don't know, Igor Rykov, this, this fall, I mean this spring, he, he played a 61-minute game in the playoffs, I heard. Something <laughs> oh, monstrous man. like that. So it's, he has the conditioning. He's played against men. Um, it's, you know, we have help on the way in the defensive side, and it's going to be very important that we get a coach that understands how to use these guys and uses them in the right situations. Now, what does that mean? It means not every guy might be suited for the power play. They might be more suited for a penalty kill role, and it's up to the coaches to decide um, where these guys are should be playing in the lineup. And it's going to be very important that we get someone like that. Um, and, yes, to confirm what I said, Igor Rykov played a 61-minute game in a six-overtime win this spring for his team in Russia. The kids' conditioning must be absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, it's very important what JL said, that this next coach, or at least whoever he is, hires an assistant that understands how to deploy their defense in the right way. Um, having a solid, amazing defense can also uh, make up for not having that superstar forward as we've seen in Nashville. And although they were just knocked out last night, it's important to note that, um, I mean, it can be debated whether Philip Forsberg is at that level yet, but if they have an elite, elite, elite forward and the Jets have more firepower than them, obviously they won out, but Nashville's defense core is still looked at as one of the best in the league and it supplements their um, really, really solid forward core, which is one of the best in the league. I'm not saying it's not, mm-hmm. um, but they don't have like a super superstar up there. But it does. It gets augmented by the fact that they have an amazing quick defense and that their coaches know how to deploy them. So another important part when talking about the coaching search. Um, moving on to our next topic here. This is a topic that I've seen heavily debated on Twitter recently. We've written some things about it. And it all stems from the fact that teams ahead of the Rangers are talking about possibly trading their picks, including the Carolina Hurricanes, which is the number two pick. Um, I've seen and we've written about what it's going to take to acquire that number two pick from Carolina if the Rangers really wanted to go that route. And from what I've read and from what I'm seeing, it's going to take some combination of the ninth pick, the 26th pick, and someone like Mika Zibanejad or Matt Zuccarello and maybe another piece going the other way. Now, is that price too high for the number two pick? It's, I mean, it's really, it's, it's there's, oh man, it's, it's very difficult. There are pros and cons to both sides of this. Uh, let's try to break them down. The pro of doing that kind of trade is that you get a possible Rocket Richard winner in Andrei Svechnikov. Um, let's face it. The Buffalo Sabres are picking Rasmus Dahlin. That team needs defensive help. Like it's nobody's business and he will be paired with Rasmus Ristolainen and Buffalo will now have all the Rasmus in their system. But 
Number two guarantees the Rangers a pick of Andrei Sveshnikov or Philip Zadina. For those you people need to understand out there that either one of them, with I give the advantage to Sveshnikov here though, will be possible franchise type wingers. Andrei Sveshnikov has future Rocket Richard Trophy winner written all over him. Possible 50, 40 to 50 goal scorer every season right there once he hits his stride. Um, I'm not saying his rookie year he'll hit 50, but he's probably like, but he will get to that point in his career. He has all the tools. Philip Zadine has played with Filipino before. Um, they have some chemistry. They know each other. And Zadina has been amazing for Halifax this year and shot up draft boards. Um, and actually, he's also put himself into the converse, conversation for the number two pick with his play this year. On the con side, you get rid of a number one center, who our number one center is in Mika Zibanejad. Is he that dominant elite number one center? It remains to be seen, but then you're already saying that he's not if you trade him away and that they're going a different route. And I assure you, if that happens, the Rangers will not be as good next year. Um, you're missing a guy who, 30 goal scorer. Uh, did he score 30 this year, JL, or was, was he very close? Or Let me, I can take a look at that. Uh, awesome. I want to say he did, I don't think he did, but I think he I think he got close. really close, though. Okay, he did get hurt a couple, yeah. of, he did get hurt, if I'm correct. Um, no, he scored 27. 27. So he was so close. If you take away his time with injury, I'm sure he probably would have hit 30 this year. And he is the de facto number one center on this team. Um, So you have to look at it this way. Is trading two picks in a deep first round plus our number one center plus maybe another part equal to getting a possible franchise winger in Andrei Sovechnikov or Philip Zadina? It's tough to say. But at the end of the day, do you take the leap for a possible guy like that? Or do you keep your two picks, which we have three of in the first round, and you go for a quantity and see what you can get? And not saying the nine pick, we're going to get a bad player. We're probably going to get a very good player at nine. Oliver Wallstrom, Noah Dobson, Evan Bouchard, someone like that would be very good for this team. But if they have a chance to go into the top three, if they have a shot at getting someone like Andrei Sveshnikov, I don't. I'm not entirely sure they should rule that out. What do you think, Jail? Well, it is a it is a very difficult situation, especially if it involves Mika Zibanejad. I have, you know, when when the original trade happened for Zibanejad uh, about a year ago or so, I uh, I was let's just say uh, thrown off by it, but you look at what the Rangers got in return and they got a pretty much a solid player. So, um, they, it, it, it's tough. Cause I, li- I like Mika and Mika is really good for this team. But like you said, is he worth moving for a, one of those high picks? Now I'll go on a limb and say this, it may not even have to be Mika's advantage at depending on what Carolina wants. It could either be Kevin Hayes or it could even be Matt Zuccarello. Now, I know that they don't really want to part with either or, but if that's what it takes, I would not be opposed to that, especially if it's Kevin Hayes. I like Kevin Hayes. But, again, we, they have such an influx of centers coming in with Heedle and with Anderson. Now, I don't know their plans on what they want to do with Heedle or Anderson because I know that they put him on wing for a couple of times. I think Anderson is more of a defensive center, and I think I think they'll end up transitioning Heedle to wing that's just my personal opinion. So it all depends on what young assets they're willing to give up if they want to go for this. And is it imperative that the Rangers get someone like a Sveshnikov or a Zadina on their team? You mentioned the chemistry that they have, uh, that uh, Zadina has with uh, Hedl, which would be, in, which would be, I mean, stellar for this team because now you're bringing in a guy who can come in and he can be comfortable and he will, you know, the transition will be a lot easier. But it just all, it, it's tough. It really is tough because it's kind of make or break. Do you, you know, you, do you go for the good player in the ninth and, 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 and the 26th pick? Or do you go up and try and get someone that could potentially? Now, that's the thing. You don't know. Who knows if Svechnikov or Zadina will be, 
franchise-altering players. You just don't know. That's the daunting uh, task that is you know, in front of them. How are you able to tell whether or not this person is worth giving up, you know, the players that, you know, Carolina would probably ask for? It's it's mm-hmm. a really sticky situation. It is. And I think, you know, the one thing that I like about the Rangers' secrecy is at least that they're, you know, they're showing us by their secrecy that they're not fooling around. You know, that's the one thing I've noticed about the Rangers is that they don't fool around when it comes to making personnel decisions like this, at least over the last couple of years. I may be giving them way more credit than they need to, but their track record over the last couple of years is evident that they take their time on their decisions and whatnot because there could have been many other moves that they could have made that could have really sunk this team into a hole. So it's hard, man, because it's tough. It's it's tough, but either or, if they keep advantage at, and then or Hayes or Zuccarello and they get those players in the draft. I'm sure they have another supplemental plan to, you know, add to the team. Whatever they decide, the ramifications of this draft and this offseason are going to be felt for a long time. This is one of these turning points in the history of the New York Rangers this summer that will set them down a path that will either lead to perennial contention, similar to the Chicago Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins have recently been, or could fail and may not work out. As fans, you have to be prepared for both. As Mets fans, me and JL deal with failure a lot, and it's not fun. (laughs) And the Rangers are usually my team that I can count on to win, so it's been very hard this year. (laughs) But... um. (laughs) Uh, you know, I have faith in management here. Jeff Gordon has not made a lot of bad moves since he has been GM of the Rangers. He has made more good moves than bad moves. The Eric Stahl trade wasn't good. But I actually, thinking about it now, I don't really place all the blame on Jeff because he acquired a guy who was supposed to be a number one center for that team going into the playoffs. And Elaine Vigneault used him as a third liner with wingers that didn't match his play style. So I don't entirely blame Jeff for that one. He was very, very misused. And it's obvious now with Eric Stahl being being a just about 40 goal scorer for the Minnesota Wild that he still had it in the tank. Um, Mm -hmm. Regardless, I think Jeff Gorton is going to make the right decision for this franchise moving forward, whatever he does decide here. It's shown that he is being taking a patient approach to his head coaching search really making sure he gets the right guy to lead this team into the future. I like that. No rush, rash decisions here. It's shown that the fact that Carolina's pick is in play means that I'm sure he's going to think about it. I'm sure he's going to see if he can move up maybe to four, maybe to five. Maybe there's another thing we haven't thought of here that he has. Not many people saw that uh, they were going to get the seven pick last year. It kind of came out of nowhere really quickly. So we'll see what happens, but I have faith in management here. And, and you know, it's, it's really tough because it's going to be a little rough for us still here going forward until we reach that kind of upper echelon of the Eastern Conference again and of the NHL again. But I want fans to realize something here. When you watch the playoffs and you see what the Tampa Bay Lightning have done, and you watch the playoffs and you watch what the Winnipeg Jets have done, even the Washington Capitals, and I can't really include Vegas because, man, their, their story is so unlikely. But look what happens when you take the time and develop a team with prospects. Winnipeg's team is almost entirely people they drafted with supplemental trades. The Tampa Bay Lightning's team is almost entirely draft picks with supplemental trades. Washington, a lot of draft picks, some really key free agent signings, and supplemental trades. So, Mm -hmm. it's not about signing the big-ticket UFA anymore, as it used to be. Of course, John Tavares could change everything, and this argument goes out the window on July 1st, but bear with me for a second here. Most teams lock up their UFAs before, their star players before they hit UFA status. It's about finding these guys in the draft, developing them, and making them a part of your core early on in their career. If Jeff Gordon truly feels 
that this team needs an injection of a franchise talent of a game-breaking type player, make no mistake he will try to acquire a top pick in this draft. If he does acquire a top pick in this draft, I will not be surprised because the Rangers will then have a superstar that they haven't had for years. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, it means the deal wasn't to his liking and that he feels that the pick at nine, the picks at 26, and the other pick, which will be the Tampa pick, which we don't know where it will be yet, um, he feels that that will be a better option to have more in the first round and have a better prospect pipeline going down the line, have it filled more with quantity. But whatever they decide, remember, this is going to take a while. But then I want everyone, like I said, take a look around the league and see what this will translate to. You don't want to have a team that takes a shot and then falls off immediately the next year. We want to have a team that can grow together, a team that can uh, perennially challenge for the Stanley Cup. And that only happens with the right draft picks, with supplemental trades, and with the right coach. So, mm-hmm. I know Ranger Twitter is a crazy world. It's a crazy place where people have crazy opinions. But just remember, Jeff Gordon is a guy that helped build this Boston team that we're seeing now in 2006. He was incremental in that draft where they got a number of pieces that they have now. So, it's going to take time. But at the end of the day, we want a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning have. We want a team like the Winnipeg Jets have. We want a team like that. Or, or even the Predators, another good example. A lot of good draft picks there. We want a team that can parentally challenge, and this is how we do it. It starts this offseason. And if management, if they feel we need a superstar, we'll get a superstar. If they feel they're in a good position now, then that's where we are. But this summer is a very, very, very pivotal moment in Rangers history. And a lot of what happens this summer will determine how long this rebuild takes or if the turnaround will be quick. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting few weeks in Rangerstown here with the head coaching search leading up to the draft and with free agency looming and with the biggest free agent on the market still without his extension. So join us next time. After the conference finals, when we discuss the Stanley Cup final and we give our Stanley Cup final picks, whoever that may be. So, JL, is there anything you want to say to everyone before we depart today? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on again. Uh, of course, I love man. doing I this. Always like this, having is, you this, on here. this is this is great, and uh, I appreciate uh, all of the you know all of the kindness and all the opportunities that forever blue shirts and you guys have given me it's been a fun ride and october will make it two uh, will make it one full year that i've been a part of all this and it's it's been a cookie ride but i've definitely had a lot of fun and i'm still having a lot of fun and to all the ranger fans out there listening if you are feeling any sort of cynicism just remember these are not the mets this is not the jets the new york rangers actually know what they're doing that is why we have this unbridled optimism when we're talking about them. <laughs> so, so no, no need to fear, no need to fret. Even if it, even if it's off by a year, this team will be back and they will be back soon. So, thank you again. It's been a blast, and I can't wait for the next podcast. JL, thanks so much for joining me, man. I hope you guys have enjoyed the Tilted Eyes podcast over the past few weeks. Let us know what kind of off-season stuff you want us to talk about. We're game for any topics about the team, any topics about hockey. Tweet at us. Let us know if we could do anything better. We always want to improve and give you guys what you want to hear. So um, let us know. Hope you enjoyed our episode today. Thank you again to John Luke for joining me. Um, get ready for two amazing conference final series starting tonight and tomorrow night in uh, Tampa Bay and Winnipeg. It's going to be a crazy ride. And remember, Rangers fans, we will get back. We are going to be one of these teams, and we will hopefully have another title rather than later. Let's be a little hopeful here, guys. It's going to be a very interesting few weeks, and I think we're going to like the results that we get out of it. Have a good week, everyone. Enjoy the conference finals. Thanks for listening. You can listen to this episode and more on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. You can also listen to us on Blog Talk Radio as well as SoundCloud. 
visit us on foreverblueshirts.com. You can also read us on Yard Barker as well as Apple News. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. Hey, everyone. This is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group.